I have no idea. Where, I mean, I have some idea where we're going to go. But, you know, I'd, I'd rather have it kind of all <clears throat> figured out. Did you ever like that? I don't have it all figured out. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come to manifest yourself however you want to, not however we want to. So the title of my message is, <clears throat> What Do You Think About This? Heaven Invading Earth. <clears throat> Lately, I preached some sermons on core beliefs. I, I preached two, I don't know, was it May probably? I preached five of them in 08. And I continue to be amazed when I study out core beliefs, how they make us what we are. As a person thinks, what a person thinks about the thoughts that come in day after day after day become who you are. How do you like that? Does that bother you? Do you like who you are right now? If you don't, then you better get some different thoughts. Because what you are right now is what you've been thinking about for probably the last five years. I just think about that. So, if you're not happy with where you are, it's easy. All you got to do is change your thoughts. But do you know that's hard? How hard do you think it is to change from something you have believed all your life and to change that thought? Have, have you tried to do that? Any of you ever tried to do that? It's hard. So what do you say when God says, turn loose of the old and grab hold of the new? What's your first thought? Well, I already know what it all is. God's already given us the Bible. We already know all of the new. We don't need any new. Well, that's not true. The Bible has level after level after level after level, and most of us live right up here on this top level. We don't want to dig out anything. We just want to go along, and let's just do what our church is doing, and let's not get too excited about God. Now, now, don't be, over, don't be overzealous. You ever get overzealous at a football game? I have to worry about keeping myself together this morning. Wrong blouse. Okay, it's nice that we can be funny about this, huh? So you have to ask yourself, did a man or woman teach you what you believe? Or did you get it from the Word of God? Now, I'm telling you, I've, I've been a Christian since I was 10. I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and full of fire since I was 45. I'm not going to tell you how long that is. Um, there's a difference. to say this you have to be teachable you don't know it all you may think you do but you don't know it all and you know oh boy I, I was there I got my beliefs stomped on stretched changed and everything else in the last probably five or six years, and um, I've learned that, that there's a whole lot more to God than I know, and I want to know those things. Do you? I mean, it's okay to, to dig out what God wants you to know out of the Word or out of encounters with Him. 
Did you know if you can control your thoughts, I'll try to stay on the message, you have a power key to succeed. Did you know that? If you, I'll say it again, if you can control your thoughts, you can succeed in whatever you're doing. Society goes around looking for a way to be successful, to have money, to have peace, to have fulfillment. And all the time, the key is right in front of them because the key is find the best and most truthful thoughts and think on them. That's something you need to do, Terry, Marty. Your life should be consumed with thinking about healing and restoration. That's where you are. Some of you may need to think about God supplying your needs. Whatever is your need, God has the answer. And he intends to give it to you if you'll just line your thoughts up with him so you can receive it. Okay? Um, I'm going to say this again. What you think about all day long, over long periods of time, seeps into your heart as a belief. I don't care whether you like it or don't like it. It's the truth. If you're thinking bad things, I'm telling you, they're going to settle in as a belief. You're going to decide that God, God doesn't really care. God doesn't want to heal. God doesn't want to do anything because you've thought the wrong way. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? <clears throat> the scriptures, Proverbs 23, 7. So whether you're thinking truth or whether you're thinking a lie, what you think about will seep into your heart as a belief. Jerry and I were watching a movie a couple of mornings ago before we got out of bed. Isn't that nice to do? And this man said one thing that caught my attention. God didn't call you to be successful. He called you to be faithful. And if you're faithful, you'll succeed in all you set your hand to. See, we got it all tur turned around. I want to remind you that thoughts come first. Words just flow out of what you're thinking. You may say, oh, I can't believe I said that. It just popped out of my mouth. No, didn't pop out of your mouth. It's what you've been thinking about. What you, what you think about pops out of your mouth. So, you know, we all need to wash good our mouths, don't we? <clears throat> so if you're out there trying to change your actions, you've got to just absolutely backwards. Change your thoughts. Let your words come out that are true and ungodly, and the actions will take care of themselves. People are disturbed not by things, but the view we take of things. And see, you don't always look through the right glasses. You all have, I told you before, you all have a different pair of glasses. I think we need the air on. Some people are fanning. Is the air on? It's on. It's hot outside, I guess. <clears throat> I lost my thought. When we learn the right thoughts and we chew on them over and over and over and over, day after day, they lodge, they get stuck, and we call them core beliefs. I'm not really teaching on core beliefs. I'm just kind of going somewhere. I've said all, the, all those things about core beliefs to get you to thinking what do you think about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth? 
I'd like to ask how many of you believe that can happen, but I won't. There you go. I hear some of you saying, well, that'll happen in the sweet by and by. Do you think maybe we have some beliefs about the kingdom coming that may not be correct? I mean, all of you have a perception of something when I said those words. Do you suppose we have some beliefs about the church getting weaker and, and being of less influence in the world today? How many of you believe that? <laughs> well, you wouldn't raise your hand if you did, would you? It's not true. Christianity is the number one faith in the world. The people are coming to Christ more than any other. But what do you hear? You certainly don't hear that, do you? I didn't say in the United States. I said in the world. Okay. Uh, you know, we talk and we sing about let your kingdom come. We did it this morning. Let your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Okay, do you think signs and wonders and miracles are part of the kingdom? Do you all think that? So if the kingdom came to earth, do you think you'd start seeing signs, wonders, and miracles? So why isn't the kingdom come to earth? Because Jesus brought the kingdom. So where's the kingdom? Is here? Well, why don't I see it? Huh? Okay, it's within us. That's one good answer. Okay. What else? Why don't we see the kingdom? You won't like my answer. Because we are not releasing the kingdom of God out of us. People everywhere are hurting, and we're too busy to care. Is that true? People are sick, and we're too busy. And actually, you know, well, what would I do if God didn't show up? Well, I'd be embarrassed, you know, if I, if I prayed for somebody and, and they didn't get healed. Well, then I'd just be embarrassed. Well... Goodness sakes. Do you think the apostles ever got embarrassed? Remember that one time when they couldn't cast out the devil at all? And Jesus came along and did it. And they said, well, why, why couldn't we do that? I'm getting off my track. We grab hold of that phrase, heaven comes to earth. And we get a perception of it, a nice little neat perception of it. But when heaven comes to earth, when it manifests in the earth, your life's going to change. You know what? We kind of like it like it is. I have a 98-year-old mother that lives with me. You try to change her? Wow. We, we brought in a new bed for her. Well, we told her. We got, we got a new bed. We told her we was going to give her ours. Shouldn't have told her on Friday. Because all day Saturday, well, where's my bed? She was in there trying to make the one that was there because she thought that was a new one. And about every 10 minutes, she came out of her room and said, you know, where's my bed? Um, she, she doesn't change well. Easy. How many of you are like that? 
And, you know, I don't mean to change with every little gospel message that comes along that, that um, you know, because some of them aren't true. You've got to go find out and read the Word and study and ask God to, to tell you to know that they're true. But I'm telling you, your life will change. I'm, telling, I, I'm preaching this sermon to me. I want you to know that I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to all of us, including me. We are not doing what we were commissioned to do. We are not the church that Jesus intended to come back for. And he isn't going to come back till we get that way. You're going to, we're, you're, we're going to have to shape up. And you know what? We may have to sacrifice a little bit because it isn't going to be all about us and our job or our family or whatever. And, and I'm just going to tell you, you know, Kelly prayed this over me, but I, I've already felt it. I felt the switch. Did you feel the switch in the in the praise and worship? I knew we stepped into another level during praise and worship on the, I think it was the last song. And I've stepped into another mantle, and I know that. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know we're inviting God and, and asking him to do what he wants. You know, we we get small doses of heaven on earth, and we think, oh, that's so nice, you know. When it, it it ought not even get us too excited when I just worship God because it ought to be such such an ordinary thing. How far have we gotten from the gospel of the kingdom? Jesus brought the gospel of the kingdom. We've got the gospel of comfort. Shelly and Eric are in a church this morning that the air conditioner doesn't work. And she said, the people are so hungry, they don't care. Why aren't we hungry? Why aren't we hungry? Why does one little issue keep us at home? Why is it so easy to stay away from the house of God? Why? I mean, I don't have the answer. Do you? Do you have the answer? Aren't we a little complacent? Have we lost our compassion? Thank you. What about an atmosphere filled with the presence of God? All the time. Do you carry God in you? Do you ever think about that? <laughs> it's awful quiet in here. I'm not going to make you mad, am I? Please, no. Do you carry God in you? D- do you? Answer. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Okay. You do. If, you, if you've been saved, received Jesus Christ, you carry God in you. I carry God in me. So what's the deal? What? What's, what's the matter with us? You don't give me any answers. We need to understand that the supernatural life is to be the lifestyle of the Christian. 
you know, we say, oh, Jesus, I want to be like you, you know. Oh, make me more like you, God. I want to be like you. Change me into your image. You know what he did all the time? He healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out devils and cleansed the leper. He preached the kingdom everywhere he went. Then he demonstrated it. That's what he did. You want to be like Jesus now? Did you change your mind? We've gotten so far away from what God designed the church to be. But that doesn't mean we can't jump right back in there. Okay, listen to this scripture. John 14, 12 through 14. So most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll do also. Okay, just what works did he do? Tell me. Miracles, what else? Heal the sick. What? Heal the blind. Raise the dead. Taught the gospel of the kingdom. Conquered the grave, yeah. What? Fed thousands with three fish. She says, I don't know the story exactly. Well, how many of those have you done this week? How many have I done this week? I did pray for Bobby's eye. Where'd he go? Bobby stops me coming out of the cul-de-sac at my house. He's mowing his house, and, and he's just thrown a rock up into his eye. I'm on the way to leaders' meeting, I think it was. So he's just dripping with sweat, just running off of him. He just kind of leans over the car window. I laid my hands on him and prayed over him and went on my way. And he went on his way, and he's still mowing. Now, that's, I'm not bragging on me, please. But, but that ought to be just what we do, you know? Hey, but we're busy, aren't we? We got a job, right? How many of you men got a job? Raise your hand up and be proud of it. Okay. I'm telling you, God made you to have a job. And it's awesome to have a job. He also made you to put him first. And then everything you need would be added to you. Has the world got jobs reversed? Or maybe we put God way down on number five or six. I'm getting off of my course here. Okay, greater works will we do. Wow. It says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my father. And what happened when he went to his father? He sent back to us the Holy Spirit, who can now live in us instead of just coming upon us. That's why we can do greater works. Because the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to do it all the time. Now the Holy Spirit empowers you to do them all the time. All the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. He doesn't come and go. He doesn't take a nap. He's there and he's ready all the time. Then look at that. Look at the next verse. 
whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, how many of you have ever latched onto that verse? Have you ever just picked that one out and says, okay, I'm going to frame that one and I'm going to live there? I have. Oh, surely Jesus didn't mean those words. Surely he made a misprint there. Surely he didn't mean for us to be doing the works that he did in greater works. That would take up my whole life. Exactly. Here's what we do. We take verse 13 and we claim it. And we love it because we can ask anything and he'll do it. Now, I'm a great faith woman. I believe that with all my heart. But then we ask some things and they don't happen. There's all kinds of variables here and I'm not going to try to explain anything. But I'm going to say you've got to live in verse 12 and 13. Uh, what, I don't know which one it is. Put it back up for me. 12 through 14, I think. You've got to live here in verse 12. And then you get verse 13. Then you ask anything. And I'm not saying we have a works gospel because we don't. But there were a few commands that Jesus made. And... And I believe this is one of them. We're supposed to be doing the works that he did. And especially in the process of doing his works, if I'm asking for healing for Angela, I'm doing his works, right? Is that part of his works? So since it's part of his works, show verse 13. Then if I ask anything in Jesus' name, I don't do it in my name for sure. I don't do it in the church's name or the pope's name or the president's name. I do it in Jesus' name. So he'll do it. You know, we have ears and we don't hear and we have eyes and we don't see just like the Pharisees. I remember the first time I figured that out. And I thought, oh, I don't like that. Don't you like to think those Pharisees just missed it? You know, they sent Jesus to the cross and, and they had so much religion and so much knowledge of the word and yet they missed it. And I sure don't want to be like them. <clears throat> do we ever act like them? Yeah, we do. We do. So, have you told anyone about the kingdom? You know, some people don't want to hear about the kingdom. They want to think it's in the sweet by and by. And if you bring up the kingdom, they think you're goofy. Here's the definition of the kingdom. Romans 14, 17, and 18. The kingdom of God. You get this? It's not eating and drinking. It's not rules and regulations. You know what it is? Read it with me. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Is that your life? That's what we're supposed to be. We, you know, you're righteous already. I'm sorry, you can't get any more righteous. So, so forget it. You already got it. If you accepted Jesus Christ, you're righteous. You got it? Peace. You know what peace is? 
peace is salvation. It's shalom. Shalom means, it's like zozo. Salvation, deliverance, healing. You like that peace? And joy. Have we lost our joy? You know, sometimes we need to notify our face that we're Christians and put a smile out there and be happy because we're alive and we're full of God. I mean, isn't that enough to be happy about? Dear goodness. Now, I'm, I'm a serious person, so I, I understand. Serious. But I'm full of joy at the same time, okay? So what do you really believe about heaven invading earth? Some of you are going to say, I can't do that stuff. That's for the pastors and the leaders. Who's, who's, who says that? Anybody brave enough to raise your hand? I know some of you think that. Okay, let's look at Mark 16. We'll, we'll take care of that. 15. And he, the he here is Jesus. It's written in red. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does, does not believe will be condemned. Did you notice it didn't say he who is not baptized will be condemned. It says he who is not believed will be condemned. Don't try to put baptism in there as a way to heaven. Okay, that's just a freebie. Okay, you can change. And these signs will follow those who believed. Are you a believer? (coughs) In my name they'll cast out demons. Okay, let's just see a show of hands here. How many of you have ever cast out a demon? This is what you do, you know. This is the lifestyle of Jesus. This is the works that you do. Whoa! So I'm going to ask you how come. I'm going to tell you the answer. Because you're afraid to. You're afraid he might jump on you. You're afraid you might jump on your family. You're afraid you might do it wrong. Da 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 da. da right? Is that right? How many of you have ever laid hands on the sick? Just laid hands on the sick. Okay, we got more takers here. Yeah. Okay, we're getting one part of it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We, we've learned to lay hands on the sick. And do you know what the last part of that is? Well, I miss they will speak with new tongues. You know, you need to speak with new tongues because you just open up rivers of water, rivers of information, knowledge, anointings. Uh, continue, please. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. So when you go to the mission field, Kayla, if you get a hold of some water that's not good, it won't hurt you because you're doing the works of Jesus. They will lay hands on the sick. Does it say what happens? The sick will recover. It isn't any of your business whether they do or not. That's really hard for me. That is so hard for me. I want to know what happened. Marie says she does too. 
I want to know. Well, we found out from, from um, Sarah. Her headache went away. Wasn't it awesome that God performed what I was going to preach about? Before we even started, I thought, God, you're so awesome. But that's just, just tapping the, that's just like unscrewing the bottle. I'm having a hard time staying over here. In verse 19, when Jesus had said all these words, he, how does he say it? He was received up into heaven. You know how? Just like I stood right here and slowly began to lift off and went into the heavens. Now these are the last words he spoke just before he left this earth to sit at the right hand of God. Do you suppose they were some of the most important words he would ever say? You know, people on a deathbed, they say important things. Well, he wasn't on a deathbed. He'd already been to death, conquered death, and now he's going to sit at the right hand of the Father. He's given us all the authority to do the works that he did. And immediately after saying all those things, he was received up into the clouds. Wow. Are we written in the annals of history as the church? The body of believers that's powerless? I don't want to be. And some Christians think you have to be of noble character. Now that would be good. Do you think God will be impressed with you if you say, Well, I can't do anything right now, God, because I'm working on my character? Jesus commanded his disciples to go, and in going, they were to teach everything they'd been taught. Were they taught to flow in signs, wonders, and miracles? A supernatural life. I mean, there wasn't anything common, was there? They were to teach what they'd been taught. Is that right or wrong? And part of that was specific training on supernatural. Matthew 10, 7, and 8. Just so you know, this is in the Bible. As you go, this is for every one of you. Look at yourself and point to you. This is for you. As you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. Hmm. You know, this was a requirement for them. But there wasn't any time limit on this requirement. It didn't expire. Still good today. This, was to be, this is the norm for everybody that calls on the name of the Lord. Isn't it ironic that Christians will disobey God by not seeking the spiritual gifts that he told us to do? Christians will not lay hands on the sick or want to deliver the demonized because... Because they need more character. Character is important. I'm not, not saying you don't need character. You do. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's character. But to get this. But get this. Nowhere in Jesus' commission to his disciples did he say anything about character. Have you noticed that? Did I read anything in those scriptures about character? You know what's going to happen? 
You get so excited and turned on to God, character is going to take care of itself. You're not going to want to do bad things, think bad thoughts, okay? Just so you know, this is in here. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. How many of you have taken that out of your Bible? Or exited out? Some churches take out the whole page. Pursue love. I believe our pastors have had a baptism of love. And we're going to reap the benefits of that. And desire spiritual gifts. Every one of them. But especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because all can prophesy. All can prophesy. If you don't know what to do with prophecy, then go prophesy to your wheat field. Go prophesy to your family. Go prophesy to your uh, children. Go prophesy to your school. Nobody else has to hear you. Just go prophesy. It's your privilege. A lot of people think the power of God's here to overcome sin. Do you think that? I know you wouldn't raise your hand if you did. If, if that's true, then Jesus wasted his effort in, in taking all of sin upon him on the cross. To wipe out our sin if we have to overcome it. Does that make sense? Doesn't it seem strange our whole Christian life we spend trying to overcome sin? Do you think that's what we ought to be doing? Well, that ought to be just done with. I'm not saying you don't sin because we sin. You just get, off, get over it, get out of it, and go on. We cry out to Jesus for more power to live in victory, and he says, what else could I do? I've taken your sin on me and the cross. You already have the victory. Romans 6, 11 says, Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin. I always did wonder what that meant. I think I finally got it. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. It means sin is not what our life is about. If you're dead to sin, it ain't, it's just not something that's going to tempt you. It's not going to bother you. If you're thinking about sin all the time, it's going to bother you because what you think about is going to happen. It's going to come out your mouth and it's going to show up in your actions. So, I don't need power to overcome something if I'm dead to it. I need power for boldness, for the miraculous and the impossible. Do you need that power? That's what we need. That's what our church needs. We need a big old shot. You know, I can see a syringe needle. And God just put a shot right into all of us, into this whole body of believers. A shot of anointing for the miraculous and the impossible. We've grown accustomed to doing things for God that are possible. And then, if God doesn't show up, we still look good. Now, that's a powerful statement. And we all do it. And me too. Like this morning, it's like, God, I, I want to know where you're going with all this. And I know you're probably getting antsy in those chairs. i got to cut out some. Heaven invades earth. 
Would you agree with me that the disciples were the most trained, highly skilled people on earth, trained in signs and wonders and supernatural power? More so than anyone else except, of course, Jesus. And yet, they were told to go to Jerusalem and tarry for 10 days until the power came. They'd already been operating in amazing power. But Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, wait 10 days till you're endued with power. They did. They obeyed. They went to this upper room. They were all believing for the same thing. They didn't know what it was, kind of like this morning. We don't know what. But we're here, and we're in agreement that we need the power of God. And it came. It came as a wind, and it rushed through. And, and tongues as a fire landed on each one of their heads, and they spoke in tongues. And they were changed forever. That was an encounter with God. That wasn't a sermon like you're getting right at this moment. That was an encounter. Christians fear error, so they don't want to get into an encounter because, I, you know, the devil might come to me. Are you asking for the devil to come to you or are you asking for God to come to you? Will we bury our gifts and tell the master when he comes that we were afraid of being wrong or we might be embarrassed if he didn't show up? Do you ever think we let the devil be bigger in our lives than God? Well, how do we walk in the power of God? We pursue God. All of you people are pursuing something. We all are. But how many people do you know that are pursuing God? Can you count them on one hand, two hands? The life of power is abiding in Christ. So every day we check in with God first before our agenda gets set by the world. That means we want what God wants. So we cry out for that. A few years ago, I was crying out to God, I, I, God, I want to know you. I, I got to know you. I want to know you. You know, I know my husband. I know what he thinks and what he likes and doesn't like, and I know what his plans are. I know him inside and out. I hope you can say that about your mate. But most of all, I want to know God. I want to know God inside and out. And if you don't want that, you sure won't get it. Well, I wanted it. I, wanted, I just cried out, God, I, I want to know you. I didn't know what else to say. I want to know you. I want to really know you. I don't want somebody to tell me a story about you. I want to know you. I don't even want to read the story in the Word. I want to know you. 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 See, I know Angela, but I don't know Angela near as well as Ron knows Angela. Shorty knows Angela. You see what I'm saying? There's all different levels of knowing. I want to know God. I want to know God. I kept telling him that and telling him that. He must have got tired of hearing that. You know, you can have encounters with God that are personal. You can have time with him. You can get acquainted with him. You can get up close and personal with him. You can ask him questions and get answers. 
And you can go into the throne room. Does the word say come boldly to the throne? Well, do you take that literally or do you think that means pray? Did I tell you there's levels? Do you think that meant pray? How many of you thought that meant pray? Come boldly to the throne of grace. <laughs> Sean's got his hand up. He's brave. Well, it does mean that. But it also means I can go into the throne room. Now, what does that do to you? Now, how's your belief system feeling? Now, what's your core belief? Well, that lady is a goofy. Is that what you're thinking? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Well, I, I, I thought about that. Revelation 4, I said it all the time. There's a door in Revelation 4. That rhymes. And so um, I'm doing this kind of backwards. But one day, as I was seeking God, it's like these stairs just unfolded. And um, they're clear. And um, I looked up and could just see forever. So I take a step, and, and as I take one step, there's an angel on either side, and I walked a long ways. But, but they sort of, you know, lifted me as I stepped. And when you get to the door that's in Revelation 4, we think of a door being like this. Isn't that how you think a door is? This door is like this. So when you hit the last step, your head's up there in the throne room. Wow. Neat. What's up there? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It is so noisy up there. My husband, he likes quiet. I tell him, he better get ready. There's music, there's sounds, there's thunder and lightning, there's colors, there's angels, angelic beings, there's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come boldly to the throne. That's just one little simple thing you can do every day. Walk into the throne room and experience God. Have an encounter with him. You don't choose the encounter. You just enter it with God and let him show you or teach you or help you, or spend time with you. Is that going to bring you into a Christian life? Well, hopefully you're all Christians if you're going to do that anyway. It will lead you to know that God is real. Kingdom thinking knows anything's possible at any time. And it's activated when we with tender hearts surrender. Tender hearts. And we receive his imaginations. You see, I have had many encounters in the supernatural realm of God. And I've never told about them. Well, I've given you a glimpse of them, but from um, July of 06, the very last of July, for 10 months, I went into the heavenlies day after day after day. And God taught me things. He didn't just take me up there for fun. He taught me things in every one of them. I learned just how real God is. But see, it isn't just for me. God's the same yesterday. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
are, are you thinking I left earth? No, I didn't leave earth. I can't explain it. If you hear the word imagination, you all automatically think devil, don't you? I'm going to tell you, God gave you your imagination to see him. To see the supernatural realm. And you won't see it without your imagination. So if your core belief is that your imagination is evil, you're not going to be able to do this. I was in my room, and if you can believe it, I wrote it down as it happened. I have all of them written down. And I'm going to put them in a book. I've kept them all this time because they are so precious. It's like God and I have this little secret. He's really real. He really wants to do everything he's ever said. And I've even had Angela writing them up. She's had encounters with God typing them for me. But it's not something I've gone around and talked about. But I want you to have an encounter with God. You gotta want God. You gotta want God. I wanted to see him, I wanted to touch him. I wanted to taste him. I wanted to smell him. I wanted to see him. I told him that all the time. I'm going to read you this encounter I had. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And go on it with me. Because I've learned that where I've been, I can take you. So I'm sitting quietly. I've been talking and reading and praying, and all of a sudden I hear, take my hand. Hold very tight. Here we go. I've simply risen. I'm standing vertical, and I'm rising. That's the way Jesus left the earth. This is exciting and frightening. I look down at the buildings and the canyons and the rivers and the highways Cars and people and churches, and now I'm in the space above the clouds. The clouds look like snow. Now they're no longer visible. We go through the second heaven fast, and there are angels and chariots surrounding us, and now we are approaching a planet of light. I say planet, it's, it's round and it's light, and overwhelming light, blinding light, and I know I've been here before. We walk through the gate. It's a huge pearl gate. Angels are outside. Angels and people are inside. Oh, God, I see my brother. Maybe you see a loved one that's gone. He's smiling and happy. He runs and hugs me, and then he's gone. Now I feel electricity in the air in me. I'm shaking we walk into this room. Father God's on his throne. I cannot see him because there's so much light. 
The lightning and the thunder are loud, and Jesus is seated at his right in a throne of blue and purple and gold and red, and he's dressed in white with gold sashes and gold sandals. He smiles at me. He knows I'm shaking. Angels are holding me up. Too much power for me to stand. I cannot even think I'm undone right now. I see these colors over and over and over. Now he touches my head. I feel a heavy covering come on me, but I cannot see it. I feel it. When I put my hand above my head, I feel the anointing and this covering. And he says to me, now you're fully clothed. Now you're fully equipped. Now you're fully anointed. Do the things I did on earth. Teach and speak the things I did on earth. Walk and see the things I did on earth. Be my eyes. Be my ears. Be my feet. Be my hands. Be my mind. Be my heart. Be my person. You're mantled in light. Nothing can penetrate my light. You are protected. You are assigned you're changed. The angels turned loose of me and I collapsed at Jesus' feet. And all I could see was his feet through shaking and tears. And he said, beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. The angels picked me up. Jesus embraced me. Electricity went flying through me. The angels put me in a chariot of fire, surrounded me, and took me back to earth. And we landed on my patio, or at your house, or in this room. I stepped out, and instantly they were gone. to do one more. Come, come away with me. Up we go, higher and higher. We're leaving the blue sky and there are creatures everywhere, but we go right through and I look down and I'm riding on an angel. Another on my side looks me in the eye and says, where is it you'd like to go? And I said, to the throne room. Well, good, hang on. So we went faster and faster and I suppose we would have looked like a streak in the atmosphere. Then here we are at the stairs and I get off and I was lying on top of that angel and I start running up those stairs. There are no rails on the stairs and the steps are made of some shiny stuff like glass. But they're not glass. They're not slick, but they are clear. And I walk through that open door and I'm running to where I hear music and sounds. And the angels are with me and they're laughing and how excited I am. One takes me by the arm and gives me a little shove. I go sailing into this huge blue room. It has a blue ceiling and blue walls and blue floor, floor and benches all over the room. It's bright with light, but I don't see any light source. 
Immediately I know it's the revelation room. I kneel at a bench and I take a deep breath and it is as though I'm breathing in revelation. It's so quiet and peaceful and full of power. It's as though I've walked into the word. Words are circulating above my head and entering my body at every place. It's as though my, as I move my body, I turn a page. Oh my, it's too much for me. I cannot understand this much at once. It's as though God himself is the word and he's revealing the word Jesus, the word to me. And I can't see Jesus, but it's as though I'm inside him. And all the Bible is being processed into me. I ask for one revelation to be separated so I can think on it because one is laid on top of another and they are overcoming and overwhelming me. So I hear the words, Come unto me, daughter, you who are weary and heavy laden. I said, Okay, here I am. He said, The opposite of heavy is light. Weary is the opposite of rest. I'm the total answer, so come to me. He told me that I'm weary. Weary of the world. Weary of the wars. Weary of messing up. Weary of people falling back into sin. Weary of the devil's schemes. I'm weary, tired, bone tired. He says, I'm carrying a hundred pound weight on my back. Causes me to bend over with the weight and I'm all packed down with loads. I've got this load and that load and I've got church load and family load and responsibility of my mother load and ministry load and financial load and even hearing and receiving from him load. And he said, enough. Take the backpack off. He reaches up and cuts the straps, and it falls off. Now he says, I must pick it up and place it at his feet. His anointing has cut the straps, but I have to choose to cast these heavy things, the burdens, the cares, all those things that are in that backpack over to him. So I want you to do that now. I want you to release the backpack. As he cuts it. And then reach down and pick it up and lay it at his feet. So I did that and immediately it just disappeared. And he said, My grace is sufficient for you. Now I'll give you rest. And my rest comes when you're driving, when you're flying, when you're running, when you're working, when you're sitting, when you're resting, when you're sleeping. I said I would give you rest, and rest is the release of striving. My rest has peace inside it. It has no burden. It, it is light. My burden is light. My burden is to let my light overtake a dark and dying world. My yoke is just a connection. Would you just take my yoke? and plug into me. My yoke is easy, so reach for it, and I will connect it. I am humble. I don't scream my worth. I whisper to you. You must come to me again and again and again, and this is one way you learn of me. 
you get to know me just like we are now. You are here and I am here and we sit together in this blue room. And then suddenly it was as though he turned on the lights and it was so bright I could see nothing. But I heard the noise of all kinds of noises. When I could see again, the room was full of angels and people and chairs. Jesus was in front of them, lifted three to four feet high. And he stood out above all and he was talking, but I could not understand what he was saying. Then he looked at me and he said, and I'm saying this to you, church, are you ready? I didn't know what he meant, but I said yes, because I was certainly not going to say no to my master. Quickly, the two angels brought me, took me one on each arm, holding me like this. We literally flew out of that room into space and heavenlies and atmospheres through our sky and home. How do you know my address? How great you are, God. Thank you for this visit. I love you. God wants to encounter with you. God wants us to do what he asked us to. He didn't give us a long, long list, but he meant what he said in the one that he gave us. I have no earthly idea where to go right now. I'm going to ask my prayer teams to come. God, we believe in healing. We believe in miracles. We believe in signs and wonders following the teaching of the word. This is your word, God. This is what you did. You went around teaching the kingdom. I've been teaching the kingdom this morning, probably in a way they weren't ready for. But it's time. Remember the prophetic word here a while back. The time is now. So what are you waiting on? Is there anybody in here who needs a miracle? Okay, would you come up here, sir? Larry, did you have your hand up? Just fixing his hair. It's dangerous in here. This man is Mr. Miller, and I forgot your first name. Chris? Kind of. You don't have to tell me. You just go up here and talk to these. Talk to Sean from here. Marie, you can be with him. You know, I'm going to talk about eating in a minute. God didn't say raise the dead and it would happen every time he said raise the dead. You know, I, I went and prayed for, our pastor died. I was so upset. I made the, the emergency team let me in the bathroom to pray for him. I was just sure he would get raised from the dead. Does the church need a pastor? Yeah. 
Well, he didn't. What do you think happened to my faith for about two or three weeks? I wasn't so sorry the pastor died. I was so sorry that I couldn't raise the dead, just to be honest with you. I mean, I'm sorry we lost our pastor. Oh, my goodness. My husband is calling me. How many of you prayed for Eden? I prayed for my brother. He was 54 years old. We made a trip to Colorado. He had cancer. He was a Christian, but he never wanted to talk about it, of course. And he, he called me up. He wanted to know about praying in tongues while he was in the hospital. He began to seek about things of God. So we went to pray for him. But you know what? He died. At 54 years old, the devil stole his life. And we prayed for him. And we blamed God. That was the brother I saw in heaven. So what we do is we keep praying. We lay hands on one. I remember Charles and Francis Hunter saying they prayed for 10,000 people before they saw one healed. Dear God, does that take a lot of... How many of you need something from God? I want you to come up here. If you just want to feel his presence... If you just want to cry, if you, if you want healing, what do you need? You've got to change your mindset. Healing is the children's bread. If it doesn't manifest immediately, it will begin when hands are laid on you. That's just a fact. Chris, that's just a fact. Tatum, would you and Tennille come up and minister? These two women have been in the fire. You don't have to lose someone dear to you to pray for someone to be healed. But if you've been disappointed by God, if you felt like he let you down, if you felt, felt like he didn't answer you, I want you to come and let them pray for you. Don't miss this moment, please. Don't be embarrassed that some might, someone might know what's going on in your life. Shirley, why don't you go get prayer with him?
we prayed for her husband. I believe I had a word from God about it. And I spoke the word in front of you all, and some of you are here, that he would live and not die. You remember that? I know you do. I don't explain God. I just say he always wants to heal. He always wants to deliver. So go over there to those two girls, would you? This is a day of miracles. I'm going to tell you, church, this is the beginning of what pastors brought home. They laid hands on all of us that Sunday after they came home from Bethel. This is the manifestation of what they brought with them. This is the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Do you know Jesus healed all that came to him. Catch that last part. Jesus healed all that came to him. Every time. He didn't heal all everywhere he went, but he healed all that came to him. Even the, the man that was blind crying out, you know. God, I just thank you that you're here. I don't want anybody to leave if you need something. So evidently, all of you have everything you want. That's awesome. So I release the goodness of God to every one of you. Because God is good all the time. So I release the goodness of God to overwhelm you. That you would have encounters with God that would show you how very real he is. Let's see. I guess just have to wait. That you would not be the same after this day. I pray you absolutely cannot be the same. That you want to be maybe, but you just can't be. Because I release the Spirit of God in His goodness to fill you up. I thank you, God, for, for their wonderful, wonderful, wonderful attention. And I thank you for the blessings and the miracles and the goodness that you're going to bestow upon them this week. In Jesus' name. So you are dismissed. You can go or stay, whatever you want. <laughs>